Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. Hey, I'm Mark Pugh. I'm pastor outreach and operations here at the Vine, and I'm thankful to be here to to be able to share God's word this morning. And um, Pastor Tim kicked us off last Sunday in a new sermon series called The Power of the Church in the Face of Persecution. Um, This is coming out of the book of Acts. Today, we're going to be in Acts chapter 1, verses 6 to 11. You guys can go ahead and open up to Acts 1, 6 to 11. But before we start, I want to call up Cole and Julia Nickel because I think they've got a great story that ties into what we're doing today. And as they're coming up, let me give you a little background on this real quick. So about a month or so ago, Rhonda and I are hanging out, and we hear Julia's got a birthday party, and we're thinking free food. So we go, and when we get there, I'm kind of troubled a little bit. I'm somewhere between really excited and troubled because there's a bunch of people there, and I don't know many of them. There's like 100 people there, and I know 10. And so at some point, I'm thinking, they've paid some of these people. To be here. But it was so encouraging. It was so encouraging to see how it was just so obvious that you guys have been intentional to get involved with your neighbors and those people that God has put around you. So thank you. Thanks for coming up and sharing with us. How about could we start with um, how did you get involved with the neighborhood? Yeah, um, thanks for uh, having us up here. Um, I'm, I'm really excited for Julia to share with you because uh, it is really cool. They, they showed up for her, uh, for the party, and uh, it's cool how she's been intentional with, with, with crushing it, with uh, being missional with our neighbors. But anyway, um, we both have longed for community. We've longed for, uh, to have that for us and for our kids. And we feel like recently God's really just blessed us with having that uh, in a special way here at the Vine and also uniquely in our neighborhood. Uh, for me, I, I love organizing events and uh, sporting events, uh, volleyball tournaments, um, kids' summer camps, stuff like that. But I poured most of my missional focus into the, the Lambert High School Frisbee team. Uh, my maturity level matches a, a sophomore in high school pretty perfectly. And so, um, so eight years ago, when we moved to the neighborhood we were, we're living in now, I uh, just started playing with the guys. And um, because I was older than them, they made me coach and just kind of made sense. And by the end of the first season or the, the beginning of the second season, they all started calling me dad. And uh, you probably think it's because I'm so fatherly and uh, that you know, they love me like a father. But the true story is um, I had my profile picture was, was me and my newborn at the time. Um, I was holding her and our faces were in like this. And one of the guys photoshopped his face over hers. So we were leaning in like this. And, and, um, so they started calling me dad. And, and I love those relationships. It's, it's, been, it's been super fun. And Julia's been gracious to encourage me to spend that time at practices and, and tournaments and and actually does her part, too, because um, all you moms are going to judge me for this, but um, I called her up after, at the end of coaching a, uh, a game and said, hey, can we have, uh, I want to have 40 guys over, can you get food? And uh, so on about 20 minutes notice, she, she had like the whole basement filled up with food and everything, and uh, so good job. Thanks for being this with me. <laughs> teenage boys, they ate it in like five minutes, and I was like, oh, gosh. Um, So I've heard it said that in order to go deep into community, you can't have totally separate communities. 
and um, they need to overlap, at least two need to overlap. And so several years ago, we found ourselves very scattered in our communities. We had private school over here, church and life group here, a neighborhood way over on the other side of town. And so we felt like we just weren't ever seeing the same people often enough. And so for our family, one of the ways we tried to kind of condense that was we moved our kids to the local public school and really intentionally chose to go deeper into our neighborhood. And it started with like really small, easy things like going to the bus stop and meeting neighbors who I'd waved at for years, but I didn't really know their names or their stories or who their kids were. Um, and so that's how we started. And then um, being intentional to remember names. We would both have a note in our iPhones with like people's names, their spouse names, their kids' names, where they live, you know, just so we can remember them the next time we see them. And, um, and we've lived in our neighborhood for eight years now. And so over time, um, dug deeper into like the communities within the neighborhood. So um, I helped start a book club. I'm on the um, swim team committee now. Um, <laughs> um, do silly things like bunko. Um, I'm playing tennis. There's a monthly ladies wine night that I help out with. And all of that's, that, all of that's really fun stuff that I would love to do anyway. But it has been done with intention because I realized I wanted to know the people I live around. I wanted to wave at people and know who they are and know their stories. That's so good. How about with all those relationships, like how are you missional with them? Yeah, well, uh, Francis Chan in his book, We Are Church, said, um, contrary to popular belief, we're all called to pastor. Hmm. And I feel like it's easy for us to forget that. Um, I, I can forget it pretty quickly. And, uh, you know, example is our nine-year-old son, uh, there's like six, five or six of his friends that come over every day after school and uh, bang down the door. Our doorbell doesn't work, so literally they're kicking the door down uh, to try to get Clay's attention, and they come out and play. And, and, and we love it, and, um, but we find ourselves getting frustrated when they start doing things like raiding the pantry and depleting our resources and uh, breaking lamps in the basement, playing laser tag. It's not a big deal. Um, but there was this moment when we were frustrated, and we looked at each other, and we really, how silly is that? For us to be so frustrated, this is exactly what we want. Yeah. We want to be the home that our kids are bringing their friends to and our, our kids' friends are wanting to, to come to. So you know, hospitality and, and being on mission isn't always easy, um, but we have to continually remind ourselves to, to do that. Um, back to Frisbee real quick. Andy Miller back there and I, uh, Andy Miller helps coach the Lambert Frisbee team. and um, It's oftentimes when when those guys are going through tough times in their lives, that the conversation can go from Frisbee to something real, like uh, a breaking up with a girlfriend. Some of the best conversations can happen over that. And um, a couple weeks ago, well, actually, the, the context is um, last year, Lambert won state, um, may or may not have been to the excellence in coaching. Um, <laughs> that's joke there. Yeah, that's the takeaway from today. But um, so this year, we're doing much more poorly. Uh, we lost a game a couple weeks ago that we had no business losing. It was an easy team. And the guys were crying. It was, a, it was a big deal to the guys. And it was kind of cool to take it from, hey, guys, here's how to play Frisbee, to, you know, how do we deal with disappointment in life and have some conversations from that. It was, it was, it was a cool, cool moment. Um, we feel like God gives opportunities to be missional in times that we expect the least. And, but those were set up in relationship. And actually, Joy has a story about that. So we, we hear about being missional at the Vine a lot, and um, for years I was in Bible study going, I don't know how to be missional. I feel like most of my circles are fellow Christians, which is great, but 
do I just randomly go make a non-Christian friend on purpose to be missional? I didn't know what it looked like. And I feel like God has given us the neighborhood relationships for, for fun, for encouragement, and for the goal of being missional. Um, so I often find that it's in conversations, you know, we'll be in these big group events. It's like a side conversation that happens out of the blue that God knew was going to happen. He gave me that friendship for a reason, and I'm able to share, I'm able to share the hope within me. Um, one of the biggest ways that's happened, usually randomly, is book club, because we're talking about worldview-type things when we're discussing books and themes in books. And um, about a year ago, I just happened, the book we were reading, it related to a story in my life and a struggle we've gone through. Um, most of y'all know we lost um, a son as an infant. And so I just kind of offhandedly mentioned that as a way to tie in some personal stuff. And later that night, my friend drove me home, um, and as we were sitting in my driveway, she said, I didn't know about that. Like, how did you survive that loss? And as we talked, I realized that um, she was religious, but was not a follower of Christ. She was not a believer. And so I think the next hour and a half, two hours, we sat in her car, and she asked really hard questions and shared with me struggles in her life, and I was able to present the gospel and um, share with her how I went through the worst time in my life. And that friendship has continued. Um, she was my tennis partner for a while. And so I feel like there are multiple little relationships that God's building where I know they're not believers. And, you know, I don't always do a good job of being intentionally missional, but I'm very thankful that God has placed those relationships in my life. Thank you, guys. Thank you all for coming out and sharing. And thank you all for just being what is obviously intentional for God's kingdom. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you. Thank you for Cole and Julia. I pray that you would give them favor and wisdom and discernment of where to spend their time. Father, help them know that it's really not about them. It's about you. That we're all dependent upon you. Lord, your Holy Spirit living inside us gives us freedom. And so, Father, give them great freedom as they discern how they spend their time with their neighbors and others. Father, we're thankful for them. It's in your wonderful son's name we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys. <clears throat> so what Cole and Julia are trying to do, it's, it's really important. But it's also really hard to do. You know, over the last few years, we look at the church, and we see that here in the United States, people who never go to church or go very, very rarely has gone up just the last few years from a little over 60% to almost 70% now. So that means 30% of America goes to church regularly. And what regularly means is once or twice a month, which is kind of hard to get really into community just going once or twice a month. But those are the people that are going regularly. So clearly, we can see that the visible church, the church here in the United States, it's on the decline. And that's not true for the invisible church. God's word tells us, that the gates of hell will not prevail over his church. And we know that the church is expanding globally. But here, we're the minority. And we got to get used to that. We are no longer the majority. And that makes things hard for us. It makes it hard to, to share our faith because we're worried that it won't be received. It makes it hard because we're a little worried maybe we'll even get in trouble for it. The fact that, that less and less people are coming to faith and going to church it, and as we consider what Cole and Julia were talking about, it kind of makes us think, well, what should we be doing about this? 
what should I be doing about this? And so this morning, we're going to answer that question on what is the one most important thing that we could focus on. It's kind of like that old movie, that line in City Slickers from the early 90s, where Curly's this cowboy, he's an old crusty cowboy, he's riding along with Billy Crystal's character, and Billy Crystal's character's always stressed out, and he's talking to Curly, and Curly says, you just need to know that one thing. You just got to understand that one thing, and Billy Crystal's like, what is it? Well, we're going to answer that. We're going to answer that this morning. If you guys would, let's open up our Bibles. Acts chapter 1, verses 6 to 11. This is God's holy word. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, As they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So a little little context to what's going on. So Jesus, he's already been crucified, he's been raised, he's been seen by the apostles, and he's been seen by a bunch of other people. And the disciples, they've been scared. We've had some moments here recently that we've been scared. Things were a mess, things are a mess here. Jesus had to to show his holes, his, his holes in his body to have them believe I mean, it's no wonder that sometimes we struggle to believe. They knew they were powerless without him. They knew that. They thought their purpose was gone because Christ was gone. And we see from verse 6 and 7 that just like them, we want to have purpose and peace right now. <clears throat> if we read that, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. See, we need to remember from last week, from verse 3, that that Jesus had spent 40 days with his apostles teaching them about God's kingdom. And just like the Israelites, we want our kingdom to be better right now. See, the Israelites, they were looking for a king like they had in King David. They were wanting to be a thriving nation again. And they wanted to know, when is this kingdom going to happen? Like, right now. It's like when you're going on a trip with your kids, your little kids, and they're saying, are we there yet? Are we there yet? You know, at the Pew household, we had to say, like, okay, it's going to be two and a half Hannah Montana episodes, and then we'll be there. (laughs) We raise girls. Um, We all want the United States to be a thriving nation. We want our families to be successful. Just like the Israelites, we want Jesus to make it better right now. You know, our next promotion, our next pay raise, it's really fleeting. It'll give us a little bit of perceived happiness for just a little while. 
Now, even if, if God was to work everything out for us, to line up all that we think we want, we would still find a way to be dissatisfied. Especially as we think about our kingdom and not his kingdom. Our emotions will lead us to ups and downs throughout our entire life as we think about what's best for us. I think like the Israelites, when we, when we look at our kingdom and we think about, well, how do we make it better? It really involves us reorganizing it. We reorganize this kingdom instead of preparing for the next one. So if we really want to understand that, that one thing, what is that one thing that's most important in life? We got to begin with understanding what is this word kingdom that is found in verse 6. So Jesus' ministry was all about God's kingdom. The word in the New Testament, the word kingdom is found a hundred times and most of it is in the four gospels with Jesus. It's a key concept. If we want to understand how to worship God, if we want to understand having any purpose in our lifetime, we need to understand this. The kingdom of God, it's where Jesus rules and reigns. It's where God's authority is supreme. It's both, it's here right now with us as the redeemed, God's kingdom is right now, but yet Jesus tells us that the kingdom is not of this world. John 18 says that to us. And Paul helps explain this further in Romans and Colossians. In Romans 14, he says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And Colossians says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. See, we enter into the kingdom of God when we are saved. When we accept Jesus into our hearts, when we accept his forgiveness, when we accept that he's the Lord of our lives, we become citizens of God's kingdom, even while we're living here on earth. In Revelation 5, we see all sorts of different kinds of people are going to be in heaven <clears throat> on earth. It says, and they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on earth. So God's kingdom is here now, and it's not yet. We won't experience God's kingdom truly until Christ returns. And heaven is, is restored here on earth. But yet we, we do get taste of heaven. We get taste of heaven right now when somebody smiles at us. Right? When somebody's kind to us. We get a taste for heaven. When we, when we see the beauty of creation, when we're filled with passion from the work that God has given us, we see taste of heaven. But we have to constantly ask him, to help us be about his kingdom because we're naturally all about our kingdom. So how does this impact us? How does this impact us right now? How does this under, help us to understand this, this one most important thing? And so a practical example of this is I think there's a lot of people that are starting to slowly, I do this some, starting to look at retirement. Like I'm not that far away, kind of daydreaming. I'm going to put a bunch of hope on how happy I am in retirement. And so I, I went to breakfast with a guy a couple of weeks ago, somebody I really respect. I'd seen him go from business leader to owner to, uh, to retired. 
And I was encouraging them, saying, look, man, it's so great to see you be intentional with your life in retirement for God's kingdom. You could clearly see this. And I was going on and on about it. I was like, I kind of want to emulate you. I want to be about God's kingdom as I don't have to take a paycheck. And he looks at me and he says, Mark, it's, it's fool's gold. It's all fool's gold. I was like, he says, it, it looks great. But the reality is every single day I got to go to God and ask him for what's next. Because I tend to get distracted about my purposes, my kingdom, and not God's kingdom. I don't find purpose and peace necessarily just because I have more flexibility and, and time. And so that was kind of a hard message to receive. But it's a great reminder that we are naturally wired to want it right now and to be about our kingdom. So what we really need takes us to our second point. What we really need for purpose and for peace, we need the Holy Spirit. We see that in verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You know, this, this verse helps us really understand why did Jesus have to die? It's a really important fact. See, we're moving into a season, a church season called Pentecost. Pentecost is the seventh Sunday after Easter. And so we just got done celebrating Good Friday. He died. Easter, he raised. Yay us. Because he did that for us, right? Yay us. But for what? Why did he die for us? What are we to do? This passage explains that. This passage explains that it's actually better that Jesus left because we get the power of the Holy Spirit and dwelled in us. As the Holy Spirit lives in us, we become God's temple. We become ambassadors for Christ. We are the very image of Christ. Jesus died so the Holy Spirit would come to help us to bring about God's kingdom right now here on earth. The Holy Spirit gives us power, and the power gives us purpose and peace in life. The Holy Spirit is there for each believer to be on mission and this question of, like, what is this one thing that we're supposed to be? What is the one thing that we ought to focus in in our lives for purpose and for peace? It's to be on mission for God's kingdom. That's the one thing. That means that we will use our gifts and our talents wherever, whenever, with whomever, the Holy Spirit leads us to to advance his kingdom. This is what we in this room, this is what we were all created to do. But, but it only can be done by Christ followers because only Christ followers have the Holy Spirit in them. So if our one thing is to be on mission for God's kingdom, if this leads us to purpose and peace, but the only way to do it is through this power that is found in verse 8, well, we probably need to talk about and unpack what is this power. This word power, it, it means to, the ability to perform an activity. It's a mighty power. It is where our word dynamite came from. There's also a, a piece to it that can mean, that gives us meaning, like the Holy Spirit gives us meaning. This word power, it's mentioned over 100 times in the New Testament. I think its primary purpose, is spe specifically the, from this passage, is that it is about miracles. The Holy Spirit can perform miracles so that Christ 
is witnessed. So his name is glorified and honored. That's the primary purpose for this word power, but it means a lot of other things. We see it in a lot of other passages. This power is also demonstrated through our words from Christ. In, in 1 Corinthians 2, it says, my, my speech and my message were not of plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. The power helps us to endure suffering and persecution. 2 Corinthians 12, it says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. This power brings hope. Knowing that Jesus' return is coming and that, that we'll have eternal life. And we can see that we have hope in Romans 15. This power helps us to know love from Jesus, that, that it consumes us. In 2 Timothy 1 says, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. These are beautiful things. This power leads us to, to peace and joy. We see this in Colossians 1, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. The Holy Spirit gives us the ability to live daily knowing that we are a part of his kingdom right now. In, in a new way, in a way that allows us to honor Christ through our work, through our jobs, we sense that, that we can have purpose because it's about bringing him glory versus bringing ourselves glory. So now that we understand what does this power do for us, well, why do we have it? Why do we have power from the Holy Spirit? What, what's the purpose of this? And we see this again in verse 8. This word witness is a really key word. It's really the word martyr, okay? And that means a witness for Jesus who dies because of their witness. You know, witness sees something great. And bears witness to it. We've seen God, God's people has, have seen great things from God over and over and over throughout history. And we've been a, a good witness sometimes. And sometimes we haven't. Christ is the ultimate witness for God. And we're to model who he is. We're to model him in our witness you know, as we really take on this role of witness, we'll see that that brings us purpose and peace because we'll have to focus on Jesus and not on ourselves. The more we focus on our families, our reputation, our job, the more stressed we get. That's true. We may not believe that, but that's true. If we zero in being on mission, then we submit to the Holy Spirit's leading. That's where we find purpose and peace. You know, unfortunately... This is hard. You know, this word martyr, it means to die. It means we die of our own agenda. But I promise you that we will become way more fulfilled as we do that. Our best witness is dying to self and living a holy life in Jesus. That we would celebrate those little moments, those little moments where we died of our own agenda, simply to display who Jesus was to somebody else. So if our, our one thing is to be on mission for God's kingdom, and, and we know that is to bear witness, to be God's witnesses across the, the earth, what does this practically look like? The first thing that's maybe most important is that we learn to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit. We learn to be dependent upon Christ's work on the cross. And we ask God, we ask the Holy Spirit, tell us 
who we're to disciple. Tell us who ought to disciple us. This passage ties directly back to Matthew 28, the Great Commission, where we're charged as believers to take the gospel across the world to disciple all the nations. You know, here at the Vine, you probably hear a little bit about prayer, care, share. See, we ask the Holy Spirit, who, who should we be praying about? Who should we be caring for to demonstrate Christ's love? Who should we be sharing who Jesus is to? How about how we treat others? You know, we're here for a reason. The fact that we're still on this planet, God could have taken us into heaven. We have work to do. We have work in our homes, in our families, with, with schools, with business world. We have work to do. And, and the purpose of work, it's not about a paycheck. It's not even about personal fulfillment. You may get some personal fulfillment out of work, but that's not what it's about. Work is the primary vehicle to which you love others by. That's what work is about. You know, we're on mission when we work hard and we ask the Holy Spirit to help us with our gifts and talents to demonstrate who Christ is in our work every day. And again, our work is all over the place. You know, I went up to Ascent Church um, last Sunday, our church plant up in Dawson, and, and participated in this um, Do What You Love event. <clears throat> and uh, it was a good event. You kind of thought about your experiences and your passions. We're thinking about what do you do for Christ and, and work. And uh, David Stein, the old radio talk show guy from 91.5, did a good job speaking. And he says to us, hey, are you miracle grow or are you round up? Like, are the words you're using every day, is that encouraging, the growth of others, encouraging others? Or are you round up and you're killing others with the words you're using? You know, being on mission means that we move slowly enough to pray often for God to tell us what's next. For God to show us, how do I help my coworker next? For God to reveal, what am I supposed to say next? we got to move slowly to do that. Being on mission as, as moms and dads, it, it, it takes us to this place where we recognize our job is to bear witness to who Jesus is to our kids. That's our job. It's not about all the other stuff that we get wound up over. And then as we do that, we pray that they would have a desire to be about God's kingdom instead of their own kingdom. You know, we can see... Uh, this play out really well in the beginning of the church, in the apostles, after Jesus dies. These guys were on mission, right? They got the Holy Spirit, and they were witnessing. Eleven of the twelve of them died a gruesome death. Only the apostle John lived to, to die of old age. You know, it's amazing how Christianity exploded after Christ's death throughout the world and particularly Europe. And, and I think that is because the early church got this. The early church was all about the Holy Spirit. And so when we as a people tune into this power of the Holy Spirit, some amazing things happen. Now you've, you've possibly shared your faith one day. You don't even remember what you said. And you were so excited about it. Or, or maybe you're going through a really hard season. You've been through something hard, but God got you through it. 
God got you through it. And, and this is the power of the Holy Spirit allowing you to do things that you wouldn't be able to do normally, not through your own strength. But you know what? This is, this is not easy. Um, I've been praying for the last two plus years. So this is a, I normally am like, I'm going to do this this year, and then I'm going to focus on that, and I just bounce around. And, but I've been saying, Lord, help me. Help me be led by the Holy Spirit for over two years, and I'm still struggling. I want to be better at discerning what people's needs are. I want to be better at, at being available for people. But the problem is, is I'm super comfortable. I'm super comfortable at what I do. And I'm super comfortable in my life. And so I don't, I don't really need his help. And that's painful. But it leads me up to some up and down in purpose. It's an up and down in peace. It's hard. You know, I'm afraid that, that many Christians wouldn't even notice if the Holy Spirit left. You know, we see throughout the book of Acts that, that God was doing some amazing things through some very normal and average people. They were not super talented. They weren't super smart. They didn't go to Tennessee. But they understood the Holy Spirit's power. They understood that. And I'm afraid that we, we struggle with this today. You know, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're declared righteous and perfect right now because of Jesus' work on the cross. And you're promised to have this perfect life in the new heavens and the new earth. And this is because we're forgiven. God took away your sin at the cross and he, and he gave you his perfect righteousness. All we have to do is repent of our sin, believe that Jesus is Lord, and you can be on mission for God's kingdom. You know, in heaven, when Christ sat down at the right hand of God the Father, and he not only accomplished this work to sanctify his people, he really set up the church. And he gave us a job to do. While we wait for him to return, we have a job to do as the church. And we're to witness in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And so today, today's Mission Sunday. So we're going to talk a little bit about what's that look like at the vine? How does the vine help people to be on mission in these different areas? You guys have, there's a few booklets kind of randomly placed or some up in the front that gives you some more words and details. Our website is filled up with a lot of good information on this if you want more. But let me go through a couple of things. So the first way that we are on mission to bring witness to who Jesus is to those around us is through our Hope Tree ministry. Our Hope Tree ministry is about adoption and foster care. We support a, a, an orphanage in Kenya, over 30 kids there. They, we are their primary support vehicle. They need us. We'll be doing a fundraiser probably later this year. There are great ways to sponsor kids there or go on a trip. And then we, we, um, we want to continue to improve at supporting those who do foster. We've got a couple of families that are fostering. And we want to encourage them. We want to pray for them. We want to give them meals. We want to babysit. It's a hard thing. So that's a way to serve. We're hoping to build a foster home on our property in a couple of years. We need help now to plan that and, and to get involved in that. And then if you're a golfer, October 17th, 
Note your phone right now, October 17th. We raised $18,000 last year. It's a fun event. And that money goes to the orphanage or it goes to adoption sponsorships. We've, we've sponsored several adoptions through the, the fund. And so that's Hope Tree. To, to focus in on Jerusalem, that's our coming. That's our city of coming. That's what we do. We branch out into local service. We do all sorts of things like this throughout the year. But June 4th, we got a walkathon coming up. We're going to meet our neighbors at Silverleaf. We did this last year. Six, seven, eight families came out. It was a great time. Walked just a little while, socialized. Great way to be intentional. June 12th, we're hosting Family Promise. That's the families that are homeless. They're just, they're just down and out. They're great people, but they need an opportunity to get a leg back up. And so we need meals. We need somebody to eat a meal with them. We need somebody to just hang out with them. We need some people to spend the night here. We do this four times a year. And then we're hoping to start a tutoring ministry this fall to help with uh, the groups that are around us. And we do other things. We do Holiday House and other events throughout the year. But that's our Jerusalem. Our Judea and Samaria is really our church planting and our short-term missions. And we're planting a church right now with Mark Fowler. He could use your prayer. This is not an easy time to plant church during COVID. And so we need to be praying for him and telling other people that live up there about them. He's an amazing guy. Um, and so he, he wants our prayers. That's our kind of Judea. Our Samaria is in Clarkston right now. We're headed down there in September 24th to the 30th, and we would love to, to support them. The refugee community there has exploded lately, and that's in, again, the Atlanta area. And this is a great trip to go and really be discipled and to care for those. And then obviously we want to go around the world, but we've been limited on that in the last couple of years. So maybe next year we've got several places we could, we could go to. And then our last uh, way that we really get out to be on mission to support people is we're blessed. We've got a lot of, of people that have been members here or are members that have gone out and been full-time missionaries. There's actually more than just what's on there. And, and so they need our support. They need our prayer they need finances. There's all sorts of ways to support them. So as we wrap this message up, you know, this is the way that we witness to the world here at this church. As we think about being on mission, I want to make sure that we don't lose the point that being on mission is not just about being on a global mission trip or serving locally. We ask the Holy Spirit to help us be on mission for God's kingdom in everything we do, every single day. That's what we're talking about. As we do that, I think we'll have more purpose and more peace in our lives. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for helping us to understand your word. Lord, we need your spirit to unpack your word Lord, we need your spirit to help us to serve others, to care about others, to not so much care about our own kingdoms. Lord, we need you, and we cry out to you to help us, especially as we, as we come right now to take this communion meal as a family. We, uh, we're encouraged to look around and know that we're all broken together, that we do this as a community together, that we get to, to taste and sense the bread and the wine, that that, that would be about you, Lord, that, that that would be real to you, that we wouldn't just be here to celebrate, 
your death, but that we would experience renewal. And so, Lord, we give you thanks this morning for this opportunity. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.